Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Felicia, and I am here with Kelly Smith. Um, She is the creator of Mindful in Minutes, and it's a podcast that brings you guided meditations, which is really cool. I feel like there's um, a lot of podcasts that have conversation mixed with meditation, but I love just like the pure guided meditation Um, So that's really cool. And she is also the host of Meditation Mama. So these are meditations specifically for those of you in different stages of motherhood. And here on Find the Magic, we are huge proponents of meditation. We talk about it all the time. So it's really cool to, I was excited to bring Kelly on as a resource for all of you, for all of our listeners, because so many of you um, ask us for guided meditation in general and just a resource that you can add into, especially um, a lot of our listeners, Kelly, they do morning routines and they're looking for a meditation to add into those morning routines. So I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Hi, it's so great to be here, and Felicia, I appreciate you having me on, and I am, I do love to dabble in listening to find the magic, so I know, I know how much everyone around here loves mornings and meditation. Yes, yes, it's the perfect, so do you have a morning routine yourself? I do, it is, so I am a mother to one one one-year-old, so we are in the thick of um, toddlerhood, chaos. I mean, I only have, I know you have more children than I do, but uh, there's something, you know, first one's the hardest. Oh, and that one year old, (laughs) I guess he's now 18 months, but that like one year old energy, especially in a little boy, like it's like next level. Um, but so my morning routine, I like to get up before everyone else gets up. I know a lot of other moms do the same. It's usually the only time of day where I get a little peace and quiet. And I like to start with a cup of coffee. I do some movement and about eight to 10 minutes, usually anywhere from eight to 15, usually around 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. And then if um, I call him pork chop, not his birth name, (laughs) that's what I call him, my podcast and to keep him private. So pork chop, usually um, if he's not awake by then, he'll wake up shortly. So then I either get to work myself or if I have to, um, you know, be an adult and go to work, I'll take a shower. And that is my simple uh, morning routine. And then at some point, pork chop will, the Kraken will be unleashed. He'll be awake (laughs) and the day begins. I love it. So you mentioned in there a little nugget of wisdom, and that is that you do a short 8 to 15 minute meditation practice. And when I say short, for people getting started with meditation, 8 to 15 minutes can feel like an eternity of time, especially any of the people out here who are like me, very got to get going type feeling. And so we need help. How can we set up that meditation practice that and that we're looking forward to and that we can stick to? 
Because sometimes in the mornings I'm like, oh, I could do so many things in those 10 minutes, but I know the importance of meditation. So help us. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'd love to help. So the first thing is I like to say that I am like, I'm a meditation teacher and I still meditate for 10 minutes. So I always like to debunk this idea that you need 30 minutes or an hour that you're doing like sitting crisscross applesauce and touching your thumb and your pointer finger chanting Mm ohm. That is not, your meditation practice could look like that, but realistically, especially for parents, that's not going to happen. And studies show us that anywhere from eight to 10 minutes a day consistently is enough to actually rewire your brain to have smaller physiological stress, worry, anxiety, and pain responses, and to have better focus, concentration, and emotion regulation. So we know that eight to 10 minutes a day is enough to get the neurological, physical, and emotional benefits of meditation. So I just like to put that out there Mm -hmm. because we'll be like, oh, only 10 minutes. Is that enough? It is enough. So first and foremost, eight to 10 minutes, that's all you have to do. And I know that we are all busy and I also tend to be a bit of a go-getter. Sometimes when I'm unbalanced, it's to the point of looking like a workaholic or, um, you know, trying to do all the things all the time, which never serves anyone, but we try. Mm -hmm. And I always try to say that do eight less minutes of something that doesn't serve you. So for a lot of times that if you're the kind of person you wake up first thing in the morning, you grab your phone, you start scrolling, just pause on that. Do eight less minutes of scrolling in the morning or looking immediately at the news that probably might not feel as good as eight minutes of meditation. And you don't necessarily have to do it in the morning. I just know that particularly listeners of this podcast really like kind of having morning routines and finding that magic in the morning, but find just do eight less minutes of something that doesn't serve you Mm -hmm. and swap that with eight minutes of meditation, which does serve you not only by rewiring your brain, but also giving you some clarity and helping you to really just focus on yourself and your well-being for just a few minutes. And that might be your only minutes to just be quiet and still and be with yourself, especially as a mother all day. So um, do you lean towards a specific meditation style mindfulness, Vipassana, like what, if someone were coming to your app, what would they expect or your podcast? Sorry. Yeah. So all of my guided meditations, I very much believe in there's not a one size fits all approach to either meditation or yoga, which I also teach. But, and the reason that I say that is because meditation is trying to take a journey like to the self and everyone is unique and everyone's going to need something different. And when you're turning inward and you're being introspective, the vehicle in which you do that and the path that you take that may be different. So I pull from, I try to learn about as many different styles of meditation as I can. And I try to use elements from all of these different styles so that I personally can kind of try them, see what it feels like, keep what really resonates, maybe leave what doesn't. But on my podcast, I have like, I think over 200 different guided meditations on mindful in minutes and the meditation mama is all for moms, but they all have different elements from these different styles of meditation. And I like to take different elements to serve whatever the topic of the meditation is. So if we're doing one on guilt, we're probably going to pull in some elements from loving kindness or twin meditation. If we are maybe doing like a morning positivity, I'm going to pull elements of mantra to use for that day. So I like to take a little bit of all these different styles that are out there and work them around a specific 
theme in the guided meditation. I love that. Um, so one of my biggest challenges with meditation is creating the ritual of it. And I, I think that would be really helpful for our listeners. If you have any tips on, okay, I, I meditation is fine, but so for me, so say for like my morning cup of coffee, I have this ritual that I enjoy the taste. I enjoy like making it. I enjoy everything about it. And so it has become a habit because I have the ritual. Do you have any tips on on making meditation a ritual in our day instead of almost like a chore? Sometimes it can feel like a chore. <laughs> totally. And I, I always tell people like, Meditation should feel good and you never want it to feel like, oh, just one more thing I need to check off my to-do list and be like, oh, I need to, you know, quick meditate to get that right. over with. So I always like to encourage people, one, to try different styles to see like what feels good and kind of identify what resonates with you in particular. And then I think that when setting up a ritual around something, I always like to, we know that this helps when you're building habits, but I like to sync it up with something else. So if it is, um, you know, even your alarm going off and maybe you decide the first eight to 10 minutes of your day, you just want to sit up in bed and meditate that like you're linking it up to some kind of like a trigger or an action that then prepares you for your meditation practice. For me, it's always coffee first. And so I go and I start my coffee and then I'll usually like meditate or do movement when the coffee is still too hot to drink, but I can still smell it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I like to do. And I prefer to do it when it's still dark out. That's what feels good to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that trying your best to one, not overthink it can be really, really helpful. And to do what just feels good for many people meditating the last 10 minutes of the day. So you do like your whole like nighttime routine and then either get into bed or sit next to your bed and really kind of quiet the mind before you try to sleep. Like that can be really beneficial, but pick a time of day that you're most likely to stick with. Like if you're not a morning person, maybe don't try to get up 10 minutes earlier to meditate. You're less likely to stick with it. And then always do it consistently after something else that's already a part of your everyday life. Because then as you're building this habit, once that thing happens, whether it's your evening skincare, you put your pajamas on, or you start the coffee maker in the morning, then you'll automatically start to associate that one action with then following that up with meditation. And that can really help when building like a new habit. Mm -hmm. And I will say you're most likely to quit around two weeks. So if you can get through to the two to three mark, two to three week mark, you are much more likely to stick with it. That's when I find most people quit mm -hmm. around two weeks. That's a good tip. I, something that you said in there, I just wrote down quickly and it's something I've been thinking about a lot. And that is the, the not overthinking, um, I think that meditation has become such a hot topic because we're living lives that are lacking presence just like generally and like throughout our whole day we are rushing from thing to thing and in between our things we're just picking up our phone and numbing out and so uh, if, if you take anything away from this episode I think it's that you can have mindfulness and presence throughout your entire day without sitting down and doing a formal meditation practice. And for a lot of people, it might 
be the catalyst that moves you into a really beneficial meditation practice because it's like the priming of your brain. So when you're doing your dishes, you're paying attention to how it feels. When you're when you're reading, you're actually like concentrating on the characters and thinking about them. When you're playing with your kids, you're actually present. I think it I mean we know that our that our devices and our technologies are stealing that from us. And so when you said not overthinking, it's just that probably in the past, people had so many more meditative moments throughout their lives and we're totally missing those. So I don't know. I just, I love just thinking about how we can add that presence into our day instead of, and also have a formal meditation practice. But I think they go, they complement each other so well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's so beautifully said. And it's something that I think about a lot, especially, you know, like I thought I was busy and I thought I was, had a lot of plates spinning in the air that I had to keep up before. And then I became a mother and that like, you know, is, has now tripled. Yeah. And it's so easy to feel like, oh, I have to keep all of these plates up. I have to keep them spinning. I don't want to drop one. And you're constantly like the invisible work and the mental load of being a parent. You're always thinking about something. Mm-hmm. And you're always trying to manage something. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. And mindfulness and meditation, they're like cousins. So they're related, but not exactly the same. And mindfulness, like you can do anything mindfully. You just are being fully present in the thing that you're doing. So I loved your example, like doing dishes. Or I was thinking about folding laundry or actually going out for a walk and just being present with the sensation of going out for a walk or playing with your kids versus, you know, meditation is single pointed concentration. So you're taking all of your mental power and you're focusing it on one thing. So it's its own standalone practice, but they're very closely related. They complement each other so well. And I personally have found that like the sweet spot is doing, you know, a little bit of both where I try to do a meditation practice, but then I also try to be very mindful and present as I go through my day-to-day life and have my everyday experiences. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying you give the example of the, you know, keeping all the plates spinning, another one I just heard, huh, I can't remember. I feel like it was Glennon Doyle on her podcast, but they're talking about like you're holding a handful of marbles a big handful of marbles and they're always falling out, right? Like there's nothing we can do about the dropping the plates or the marbles falling. And yet we think we can, which is really interesting about being a parent. We think there's like this elusive place somewhere off in the distance where we have it all under control. And because we have that perception, we start to feel this heavy guilt. And I, I know that we can get to a place where we're not feeling that. Um, Do you have any tips on how we can use meditation to release that guilt specifically, um, you know, for those of us with a lot of kids, but I think there's a, a big phase of this right after you have a new baby. So in the postpartum stage, but, but for any of, any of us guidance on the mom guilt, (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny because the most recent meditation that I released actually was one for mom guilt because this particular, I mean, I've experienced it. I think we've all, you know, every parent, but I think at least in my experience, moms in particular really seem to carry the burden of like 
this guilt or always feeling like you just can't quite do enough or you're doing all the things, but it's still just not enough. Mm -hmm. And someone once described this to me years ago and it stuck with me where we were talking about balance at the time it was, you know, work-life balance. We both were very career driven and, you know, we always felt like we just weren't quite, things weren't adding up. And she said that she always thought of this as like, she thinks of her life as like a pizza. This always resonated with me one, because I love pizza, but Mm -hmm. that you order a pizza and there is a finite amount of slices. Mm -hmm. And now you have all these people that are coming, they're trying to eat your pizza. So you have, you know, your children all need a slice of pizza. Your work is going to need some of this pizza, your friendships, your marriage. Right. And then it's like, most of the time the pizza has gone. They're like, well, what am I supposed to eat? But you also then feel like, well, why can't I just get like a bigger pizza? And so I think that at times, if we change our mindset around this idea of like what we are able to give is finite, it's not infinite. Like there is a certain number of slices in that pizza that we can give to people to sustain them and recognizing that we are only human and what we can give in a day or to our children or to our partners, like that is finite. And I think the expectations that we can set up for ourselves is that it should be infinite and that if people are needing more or we want to give more that somehow, you know, we can pull from a dry well or we can give out more slices of this pizza. And so for me, when working with mom guilt, there's two big things that come up, which is one, trying to shift the mindset that what you have to give is finite. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's recognizing that you can give what you can give. And that we're all just human and we can only give so much. And the other thing is, and this is something my therapist taught me, so shout out to Dr. Jackie, (laughs) but um, she always tells me, she'll, you know, say, Kelly, is that a thought or is that a fact? Mm -hmm. 99% of the time, it's a thought. So if I think, oh, I'm I'm a bad mom because of A, B, and C, or I'm carrying this guilt because, you know, I work part-time, but I'm at home part-time. So I feel guilty for only being half present at work and guilty for only being half present as a parent, right? Mm -hmm. Challenging that and saying, is that a thought or is that a fact? Am I somehow, you know, love my child less because I both have a business and all of these things that I juggle and I'm a mom at the same time? No. Like, that is a thought. It's not a fact. And trying to look at the thoughts that you're having, which is such an important part of meditation, which is being present and being aware of the thoughts that are in your, your mind. Cause people think meditation is like a light bulb where you just, you start meditating and like you turn the light off and there's like no thoughts. It's not that you actually have a ton of thoughts and it's being present with the thoughts that you're having. And really challenging some of those when that guilt starts to come in, or we find ourselves having really unrealistic expectations for ourselves, challenging that. Is that a thought or is that a fact? Most of the time it's a thought. Yeah. And so I find that those two things of recognizing that we can only do what we can do in a day. And if we wouldn't have, like, I would never have an expectation for you, Felicia, if you're like, Oh, well, Kelly, I'm balancing this and that. And I do this thing and I do that thing. And you told me about, you know, 30 wonderful things you're doing for your children. And then you're like, I just feel like the worst mom ever because of this one little thing. I wouldn't be like, yeah, you know what? You are a bad mom because mm-hmm. you've you know only given 100% and you want to somehow make another magic 20% show up. Mm-hmm. I would never say that to you. I would never think that of you. So why would I extend that to myself? So changing the framework around 
how we're thinking of ourselves, would we say that to a close friend or even our child or someone that we love dearly? If the answer is no, we probably shouldn't be saying it to ourselves, Mm -hmm. even though we do. And recognizing that we have a finite amount of resources to give every single day and challenge, is it a thought or is it a fact? Mm -hmm. And that piece of, you know, kindness towards ourselves is also something that meditation can help us um, cultivate. A lot of us are missing that and what you're saying, we're holding ourselves, not, um, we're holding ourselves to the standard, but also as women and mothers, society has held us, has put certain standards on us that, I mean, it, it's going to take a lot of, like, there's a lot of conditioning that has happened for us. And I think just all these conversations around questioning yeah, like how much of our our pie are we divvying out and not leaving for ourselves? Um, in the artist's way, I don't know if you've read that book by Julia Cameron, but she gives us a similar visual, and it's like an exercise that you can do where you like you draw like yourself in the middle, and then you have all these pieces of your life that are a part of you, and you draw a line based on how much you're giving so how much of your energy you're giving to that and it then you connect them and it creates it's like a a web circle like pie graph situation but you're really easily able to see like which line is the longest so maybe like for some of us it's like car it's like driving our kids places is like this huge line and so we're totally off balance because the one that's like self-care or our relationship with our spouse or whatever is like this teeny line so we have this huge oval and we can see that just like the pizza it's like we're really off off balance and I feel like there's so many conversations around work-life balance uh parenting like balance and all of this and it's like it seems like what the piece we're missing is the fine the our finitude like we can only give we can only give so much and so in order to feel um some contentment for me it's always about pulling pulling back in some places and adding a little bit more instead of like I feel like oftentimes it can be a wild swing like I'm going all the way into work and I'm like so intense or I'm going all the way into my kids and it always feels better to me to just be more, um, what's the word, neutral? Just a little less intense in, in one thing or the other. And just like, how can, I, how can I pare down my days so they like each day feels really good? And your example of just the 8 to 10 minute meditation, it doesn't have to be an extreme. Like, oh, all of a sudden I'm adding this hour long meditation practice. It's like a little bit at a time makes our circle a little more balanced. That's how I always like to picture it in my head. (laughs) I love that so much, like just goodness and everything that you said. And I'm so happy that, because I failed to mention this, that you highlighted that these unrealistic expectations that we can set, I can only speak, you know, from my experience as a woman and as a mother. So the unrealistic expectations that maybe I have in my head, it's not like those came out of nowhere. I didn't just come up with them from like myself, right? I've been conditioned to think these things and to take on all of this invisible work and mental workload and feeling like, oh, well, if I'm at home all the time, somehow I'm in 
inferior to the women that work, but then also if I'm working, then I'm somehow inferior to the women that stay at home. Like just some, you know, whatever, all of this mm-hmm. is baloney that we're fed. And it's, it didn't come up from nowhere. It's like, we are so conditioned to be this way as, as women, but something that I really like to focus on is connecting with the true self, which for me, I think of as like sometimes the internal compass, because mm-hmm. I don't believe that balance truly exists. I think we can, you know, we're all doing the best we can with what we have, but like, it's not like, you know, these scales where you'll be able to like perfectly balance both sides and it will just be in like harmony. I think that at times there will always be something that maybe is getting a little bit more of your attention. And sometimes there'll be things that are getting a little bit less of your attention and that trying to find this perfect balance in and of itself can become something that throws everything off of balance. Mm -hmm. But to me, especially through like introspective practices, like meditation or something I teach is yoga nidra, trying to connect with the true self or your internal compass or your soul, whatever your word is for it has been so helpful as a mother to try to connect with what's actually important to me and like what feels good to me and what doesn't feel good to me and tuning into my personal signs of not feeling balanced. I'm like, okay, I'm obviously off somewhere for me. That usually looks like being grumpy, being very like snappy and snippy with everyone around me and making these like silly mistakes because I'm not being present. Mm -hmm. So I, I recognize that about myself and then I try to connect to the true self and I can say, okay, what is not feeling good? What is not in alignment with me right now? And what is, and that gives me a clear picture as to where I'm pouring too much of my energy in where I really shouldn't be. And then maybe I can scale back on that or start removing some of that out of my life to make space for the things that do feel better and that do feel more in alignment. Mm -hmm. And to me, even those few minutes in the morning, I love just sitting and doing like a true check-in of like, how am I doing? And when I was, you know, in the postpartum period, it really, really helped because I think that we at times are also kind of conditioned to think that like motherhood should always be like rainbow and sunshines and just endless abundance of gratitude and love. And, Mm -hmm. and it's not always that it's, you know, it's crying, it's leaky boobs, it's sleepless nights, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And just sitting with myself for a few minutes and being like, how am I actually doing? And sometimes having the answer be kind of horrible. Mm -hmm. Like that was so useful to me Mm -hmm. taking those few minutes of like, how am I actually doing Mm -hmm. and checking in was just incredibly powerful for me. And when you get that answer, it's not thinking that it should be a different way because of what you've been told. Like, Oh, I should just be so happy and in love with this newborn, but I'm kind of like, annoyed at this baby because waking me up all night you know like those yeah. or I'm just worn down right. I'm exhausted or my, right my boobs hurt or yeah. whatever it is yeah. yeah yeah I think so a couple of resources for our listeners on that note um Martha Beck has two books finding your north star I think is one of the titles and then the way of integrity but but both of them um or even if you want something shorter find a podcast with Martha Beck because this is like her specialty, but um, at another, like not to get too like cultural about like women's conditioning, but we are conditioned to be, to ignore our bodies and how we feel. Like we were culturally, culturally conditioned to be disembodied and um, the practice of returning to the true self 
to back into your body, like checking in with how your body feels and your true emotions can just transform, I think, your life as a woman in so many ways. I think it can reawaken like sexual desire if that's what you're missing. I think it can help you honor um, your exhaustion and not just push past it. I think so many um, good things can come out of just using some moments of meditation to check in with how am I actually feeling? And I think a lot of times you will then see these things that are thoughts and not facts, like you're saying, as triggers that are blocking like a true self that, I mean, we know that our true self is light and energy and happiness and like joy and all these things, but we don't really know that we're blocking that because we, we're not even in touch with our true self. And yoga and meditation are both beautiful practices for for this. Do you have guided meditations on like connecting to that that we can link to specifically? I do. Yeah, okay. I have a handful of them. So okay. I can send, I'll send links so we can link to them. But I love doing like the true self work because for me, not only is it something that it feels like we as a collective society are disconnected from. And it also, for me, the true self work helps in several different ways. One of them is helping me make uh, decisions like for my family. Mm -hmm. So connecting in with the true self, like if maybe other, because, you know, we all know once you have kids, all of a sudden everyone has an opinion about everything. It's like the minute they can Mm -hmm. see like your pregnant belly, everyone has to tell Mm -hmm. you an opinion about everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay, fine. But to me, being able to connect to the true self helps me decide like what I actually want and how I actually feel about something, which helps me tenfold when I'm trying to make a decision. You know, if everyone says like, for example, my son just never latched. So mm-hmm. I exclusively pumped mm-hmm. and you know, everyone, uh, a saying I say a lot is my baby, my boob, my problem. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, I extend that to anything of like, Hey, like, unless it's your baby and your boobs, mm-hmm. like I don't need to hear about mm-hmm. it. And I had to really come to terms with like, how did I feel about like my breastfeeding journey or how do I feel about what's going on right here instead of listening to everyone's opinions about, Mm -hmm. you know, how I should or should not be feeding my baby or whatever. And it really helps me come to peace with what was happening and what the right decision was for my family between me and pork chop and what was right to that and, and feeling good about that decision and being at peace with that decision was connected to the true self what really feels good, what feels right to me, and then acting on that. And, you know, it doesn't, you know, it starts from when the baby is still in your belly, right? That you are just doing the best you can to make the decisions that feel right for you and your family. And I also find that it helps, even before I was a mother, connecting with the true self really helped me to not only discover who I really was as a person, but it helped me feel like I could show up places and not have to wear a mask. And I felt like I didn't have to, like I'd hang out with one group of people and be one person, but then people that I hang out with professionally see another person then my family sees another person. I did that for a very long time through the majority of my twenties. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel authentic to me. And I realized I was doing it because I wanted people to like me and I wanted to be accepted. And the thing that's so interesting is that I didn't really start forming like the really deep, meaningful connections with people until I kind of took the mask off and connected with who I really was and let people see that 
mm-hmm. that that's when I really started finding my community in a way and finding like really close relationships with people. So always checking in with that true self. And if I know who it is and I let it be seen, um, I have found to be a really powerful practice as well of not having to feel like I have to at times show up with a mask or like uh, as an imposter mm-hmm. in my body, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think so many of us do this, like you're saying before kids, but then also as, as a parent, there's so many options of how you can parent. And that's something we emphasize on Find the Magic is we bring you these resources, but if you listen to an episode and you're like, meh, that doesn't feel good to me, like listen to listen to that because there is a lot of judgment around how we parent and our relationship with our kids and our kids are doing one thing and that's a reflection of us. Like there's a lot of mess when it comes to all what you're saying is basically authenticity and if we're not in touch and know um our truth and what we feel is good then it's easy just to like get knocked around by all the opinions and so I think that's a really really beautiful tip okay Kelly as we wrap up we ask all of our guests to tell us something that's helping them find the magic in their lives right now. Does anything come to mind? <laughs> so the first thing that comes to mind, as cliche as it sounds, but truly <laughs> my meditation practice this is not just because I'm a meditation teacher, but for me, not just through like just in my life in general, having those few minutes every single day to be with myself, to try to sit in a non-judgmental way, to have an introspective practice, to turn inward with meditation has truly been life-changing. And it's one of those things that it's like, it's become such a part of my life. I don't realize how much is changing it until I miss a day. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I feel off. Like, what is it? It's totally because I skipped my meditation Mm -hmm. practice. And if there's one thing that I could like gift everyone that's listening, Mm -hmm. it's like just, I would give them the gift of just like eight to 10 quiet minutes every day, just with the self for like a month and to see what happens with your life. Um, And for me, and that's part of the reason why I've dedicated my life to this work in this practice is because I find it to be so helpful and transformative and magical. Well, you are gifting it to everyone. You really are through your podcast. <laughs> well, so, no, they have to do it. They have to so, do it. I can give the tools, <laughs> but they have to do it. <laughs> well, hopefully this episode is pushing some people. We're going to link a few of Kelly's episodes that relate to some of the things that we talked about. Um, but is there anything else you want to leave with our listeners before we go? Just, you know, be kind to yourself. Treat yourself with as much love and care as you would your children. Um, We're all doing the best we can with what we have. And let's try to do something today to leave the world a little better than we found it. I love that. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. And thanks, Kelly, for helping us find the magic. Yeah, thank you so much. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, 
consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you. And there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day. And I found that as I've used it, it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way. So if you'd like a journal, just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM journal. Thanks so much. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>